The opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you for listening. Woo! I'm never doing that again. It was a little fast. <coughs> wow. All right, all right. Starting out like, strong. Okay, here we go. <coughs> the opinions... Uh, Right, do it. Right, do it. Right, do it. No, right, do it. Don't bring me up so Um, before we get started, I just thought I would tell a funny story about something that happened to me earlier this week. Mm, go for it. Uh, something really, really inconvenient. Um, so I I live in Brampton. I was going to the GO train. That's that is pretty thing. inconvenient. That's pretty inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry about uh, that. That's the whole story. No, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I just live in Brampton, guys. That's I that's just live in Brampton. That's the funny story. That's the inconvenient part. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyways, lovely people, welcome to the Rising Star <laughs> podcast. Welcome back to Rising Stars. It's divine. We're here again with Vinny. We're here again with Mariah. Welcome to the show. We're glad you guys are here. We're so excited. Today, we're talking about a very important topic because um, I, feel, I feel like we've all been through something like this we're talking about freelancing in the world of creatives in the world of journalists we're talking about how it feels to freelance how do you make money freelancing in the world of high inflation i would add and we're talking about it without a guest today just without just the you know I, I was gonna ask mustafa last minute but i know he's a busy guy right now and he just wouldn't be able to come what's but he, he busy he, doing he, he's freelancing. he's freelancing exactly because that is a as many people know, a sporadic schedule. You never know what's going to happen in the yeah. world of freelancing. You never know. And I think the three of us have a very different... Uh, Absolutely. Like, kind of avenue and how we've taken that. Like, I wouldn't say... Like, Horizon, we technically do freelancing. Yeah. Yeah. Or have, I suppose. Like, it's early, but... But what's different about Horizon than I feel like other freelancing experiences is that even when we're doing work that we don't get paid for, we still show up every week yeah. and we're doing other work. Yeah. yeah. It is more, you know what I mean, it is more, uh, it's community based as well. Like you're, yeah. you're on a team it, yeah. freelancing. I think yeah. and most people think of freelancing. They think of it as, as alone. Yeah. Freelancing it's independent. I feel, like, I feel like we should talk about it though. Like what kind of freelancing have you guys done? I mean, I've done some freelance journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, being a freelance journalist is an extremely isolating experience. I haven't done like a ton of freelance work, but even the work that I've done that's unpaid, I feel like would fall into the sort of freelance category. I contribute relatively frequently to the eye opener. And that is pretty much freelance work because I'm not giving it given an assignment every week that I'm like, okay, I have to do this. It's kind of just, hey, I have a story that I would love to have published. Um, what do you think about me pursuing it? Would you guys publish this? And they're like, yeah. And I mean, at least with, uh, you know, spaces like the eye opener, mm -hmm. there's an office that you can go to. It's relatively accessible. You know exactly which editor you're meeting with. You know, it's a pretty small, it's a pretty small newsroom. I freelanced for the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail. Those freelancing experiences for me were pretty isolating because... I mean, first of all, when I started doing that freelance work, I was it was in the pandemic, so I was doing all the reporting pretty much from my house. Um, the first like in-person sit-down interview I ever did was for the Toronto Star, and it was like 2021, like we were in the pandemic, um, and I met this lady at a park. Her name is Jennifer. She's very nice. I met her at a park. We sat down like six feet away from each other. 
I put my phone down just sort of close to her so that I could record her answers. We were masked. Um, and that was it. That's that's how we I interviewed her. Um, and then I sort of contacted the person that I had pitched the story to. I let her know, you know, this is how the interview went. This is the kind of information I have. Let me know what kind of deadline we're looking at. She let me know the deadline. She let me know the word count. You know, that's pretty f- that's pretty basic stuff in journalism. Mm-hmm. But I was by myself. You know, the editor that I worked with was really nice, but she wasn't accessible to me like how I would would have probably wanted just given the the place I was at in my career. I was at that point, I think I was only 19. So I mean, now I'm only 22, so I don't know how much more I know. But I feel like up until then, the majority of my career had been happening from my desk at my house. And so I didn't really know anything about anything. I didn't know anything about sitting down with people and interviewing them while they're sitting in front of me. And I didn't know. (laughs) It was weird for me to adjust to the fact that there's no turning off your camera and there's no sort of, you know, muting yourself if you feel like you're going to have a bad reaction to something that somebody says it's happening in live time I don't know I feel like because I was so young I hadn't even considered what it was going to be like sort of outside of what I had already known and that was kind of it was kind of like scary experience and now I do stuff like that all the time when you start freelancing especially if you are aspiring to be a freelance journalist it's really, really important to make sure you still have a community of people that you can ask for help because I just don't get the sense that in Canadian newsrooms, freelancers are, you know, given sort of priority in terms of editorial attention when they're reporting. You know, the editorial attention comes when the piece is done, you know, when it's when you have something submitted you don't really have the opportunity to ask a bunch of questions to your editors like you would if you were on staff but then it's this big sort of catch-22 because you can't really get on staff if you don't if you don't have sort of the freelance experience because being a freelancer is kind of like that's sort of how you show your stripes a little bit you know that's how you that's how you establish yourself kind of how you advertise yourself yeah that's how you show people that you're willing to do the work even when there's little promise of ROI, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's difficult, it's tricky, and the important thing to know is that just because you're doing freelance work doesn't mean they have the right to treat you like garbage, you yeah, know? 100%. There's, there's important things to remember when it comes to freelancing. First of all, they don't get to change the fee that <laughs> that they said they were going to pay you. Yeah. The Toronto Star took forever to pay me. And guess what? I bothered them every week until they paid me. It took them like a full year to pay me. Why is that? Is it <clears throat> because they get government grants to hire students? I don't know. They Because they didn't hire me as a student. If they had government grants, then they should have paid them paid No, quicker. and it's not about that. Because they didn't, they didn't, my freelance agreement never said I was like a student. It just says contributor, yeah, mm. you know? You're a freelancer when you sign up for that. Yeah, you know? And so it had so nothing to do with, had nothing to do with gotcha. me being a student, as far as I can understand from my contract. It just took them a long time to pay me. And it's hard because I want to be someone that the Toronto Star looks at, you know, and wants. But sometimes you have to be annoying about getting your pay. 
if people are being cagey about paying you being paid as a freelancer although it has its benefits it's very profitable people will abuse you and it's so annoying oh my yeah God, it's so it's i've so been in a situation where i'm just like when am i gonna get paid for this work that i just like what when when are you re- like how you said it took you a year to get here which is it's mad but i like it for me it's like a couple months i'm just waiting for my paycheck coming where it's like guys i did this work a while ago where is my money yeah and it feels bad because i don't know like obviously my industry is changing a lot um and there's a lot of uncertainty i feel like with a lot of sort of i wouldn't consider journalism like a creative industry necessarily i I feel like it is so for some people it is for me it's not (laughs) um but you know if you're working in any kind of creative area or any kind of communication space there is a lot of uncertainty in what the career market is going to look like for you and so now is not the time for you to feel like if people are not willing to pay you that's okay because it's not everybody top to bottom in these organizations especially if you're freelancing for a big organization like a major news outlet a major media outlet a major pr firm these people have money and top to bottom people have a very good understanding of the fact that we're in a recession and if people want work done they're gonna have to pay for it well it's it's yeah it's goods and services that you have to pay for that and people look if you are a young creative if you're a young journalist if you are a young whatever whatever industry that you're getting into that you're gonna have to freelance in don't listen to people who are going to tell you that your work does not deserve to be paid 100 percent, your work deserves to be paid And if someone is offering you a freelance opportunity, it's because you have something that they want. It's because you have the ability to do something that they do not. And so 100% you deserve to be paid. And it it might take a long time to look, but you will be able to find someone who will pay you. I remember um, when I got into like, when I got into videography for the first time, I used to do free shoots and then I started leveling up, leveling up to like just getting paid more. I think that like for me it was a turning point where I was, where I I uh, looked at myself and I looked at my work and I looked at my skills and I was like, you know what? I deserve more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I you get to a certain point <clears throat> when you're creative field whether you're a videographer, photographer, fashion designer, whoever, journalist, you look at yourself, you look at your work, you look at what you can produce and you're like, you know what? This amount I'm getting paid. I used to get paid $60 for shoots sometimes, you know? And that was probably like the lowest I've ever paid. Uh, soccer world man, like hundred dollars for a year worth of, you know, shoots and yeah, that's the reason I don't do sports videography. Right, <laughs> but, but like that's a really good comparison to make though, because even at the time of soccer world, which is when things got started for you, I feel like in yeah. videography, yeah, like I push to at least have some money like soccer world by no means had a large budget to afford students like the only reason people even worked on this project was because it was a good way to get experience and that's how most creative people start out right like you said you had to start out free and you work your way up to uh, a price that you feel like your matches your skill level and so for the meantime it worked but i was pushing to get at least a little bit of money because for me it was about the fact that the intention of it being paid work in general just builds a better rapport for creative industry. Like I, I think when people start to do things like completely for free, like on a consistent basis, it makes people who are hiring you for those positions feel like you're not 
valuable enough for money. Yeah. And that's the reality of today as well is like creative work is not valued as something that's necessarily uh, worth like actual money because everyone thinks that they can do it themselves. Everyone has a cell phone. Oh. Everyone has TikTok that edits videos and they all think that they can do it themselves. So when you are in a position where it's like someone asks you to come up, show up and do something, it does take time for you to be like, okay, like I'm worth a price now. And though. even if you can't get like paid in money for things, I understand, you know, like experience doesn't pay for groceries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there are things that you can get back from an organization definitely that are valuable. Yeah. Like if you're doing a lot of work for an organization, those are people you should be able to rely on for like a reference. Yep. Those are people that you should be able to rely on for, you know, signing up on creative practice hours and things like that. Building a portfolio is a big Building thing a that portfolio. a lot of us have to relate to. It's like yeah. you can't possibly go to someone and expect them to pay you without being like, here's the deliverables I've done in the past. Look at my work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's important to know if you're doing work for free, you absolutely have to set boundaries and lay out your terms. Mm -hmm. You 100%. cannot tell somebody it's it's hard because at the end of it, you're putting your name on something and you want it to look good. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you if you are doing freelance work for free, that means that you are going to do the job that they have asked you to do. And that's it. Yeah. And. If they want you to go to above and beyond, they're going to have to match you on that, mm -hmm, yeah. which means that they are going to have to give you a little something in return. Yeah. More gravitas. But if you're going to ask people to pay you, you better make sure that you're going to hold yourself to the standards of someone that you would also pay for mm -hmm. a service. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, don't ask for pay and then do a bad job. Yeah. It, yeah. it sounds stressful, but... It's true. We live in an economy where you you have one, you don't get three strikes anymore. You get one. Yeah. <laughs> because the reality is the creative space is kind of saturated and everybody wants I'll to have a, their shot. I'll tell a story real quick, actually, because um, this actually happened to me. So I, I freelance a lot. And with me, my, my entire thing is I run a, a creative agency called Dreamland Media. And it's kind of fresh. It's still like pretty new. But I had a client um, during the summer that I had because of word of mouth. My friend helped me out with getting them. And they paid me a decent amount. I'm pretty transparent with, with prices. They paid me a, a, like a thousand a month to make videos for them. Um, and that was just a very, that was a starting like retainer client. And that's how my business model works. I do retainer clients for like e-commerce and whatnot. So I had this client and me personally, I messed it up. Um, I became really lazy. And I just didn't get them the videos in time, didn't get them the pictures in time. And the next time I came in to shoot with them, they were like, yeah, that left a really bad taste in my mouth. Like, you know, someone came in uh, who's doing your job for a lot less money than what I'm paying you. And, you know, when he said that to me, I was like, you know what, Loki, it, it hurt my feelings because it was like, you're kind of just going to come diss me because some guy's doing like what I do cheaper. Like you're going to just mm -hmm. go for that. But I'm like, you know what, as from a business standpoint. Someone who who you made a contract with isn't giving you your stuff. Yeah, it makes sense to go with someone else. And so Mariah is right. You get that one chance, and that one chance, if you blow it, you're you're finished. You're, you're you messed it up. Um. So now I have no client, <laughs> but um, I learned from that mistake, and where I'm like, no matter if I get lazy, no matter if I get that creative block, I need to get out of bed. I need to get out of my room, and I need to go and shoot. I need to go and help this client because this is my responsibility and my job as a freelancer. 
because at the end of the day, they're contracting you because they they know your skill. And if they actually give you that 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 fat check, like they they they're paying you because they know that you're worth the money. And if you don't show up, you don't present the skills that you're they're paying you for. You're gonna mess it up for yourself, and you, you can you can even mess it up for future clients because you know. Well, at least in Toronto, the city is small. People yeah. talk. Reputation. <laughs> so right. you have to have a good reputation in this kind of field. I was relating to that in a way that I was working with a travel agency startup, and they got me into, for those who don't know what a retainer client means, it's basically when you have someone or an organization that's paying you to do a service, and it's based off of like a set cost or price you've kind of established with them. The best way to think about it is... is um, a subscription service. So mm. technically, you guys are contracting Spotify, Netflix, whatever, to give you your entertainment, and they're you are their retainer clients who are charging you nine ninety nine a month, ten ninety nine a month, whatever, um, to use their services, yeah. and that's technically what a retainer client is. And you, you usually have a certain amount of things to deliver, like yeah. during that month period of time or whatever you've set the you know time parameters as, but. Uh, yeah, my job with them was to um, work on promotional content for them to to get their startup going, and you know after a few good weeks, I started getting busy with other projects, and then I lost communication with them. Not on my end, but at the beginning, it was a lack of communication and a lack of resources that they were giving me. They were like, "Well, we need, you know, uh, a promotional video where we uh, have multiple people using the app." And I'm like, okay, uh, do you have a budget for me to hire actors? I'm like, no. I'm like, okay, so then I can try and find some people for free. Not a problem, right? I know a lot of students. Um, and then I'm like, okay, um, I found some people, but we need to get them set up on the app because the app is not, it's not launched publicly. It's only private. You have to have like security code and security access to get into it. And they're like, well, we can't do that right now. And I was like, well, then we can't have them using the app on their phones in a promotional video because I don't know what you want me to do. Like, you know, they, they need to also become familiar with it. And they're like, well, um, we're going to have to double check about that. And, and then I never heard back for quite a while until they're like, how's the video coming? Like a month later. I hate, I and I'm hate like, I'm like, like that. brother, like, what? Like, there's been no progress because I, there's nothing I can do until you give me what we need to get started. Um, and that's why it's really important when you, before you get into work with someone, Anything like organization, uh, freelancing, maybe it's just independently one person who's hiring you to do something. You have to make sure that you really get an understanding of what they need. You know, maybe it's something that they're lacking. And so you're offering, you probably heard the term like a video solution is a term that gets thrown around a lot, but it basically means your video or whatever you're providing them in any context, your freelance work is a solution to a problem that they have. And you need to figure out that problem. Maybe they have a lack of um, marketing on their end, like heavily on social media. So their problem is they're not reaching, you know, Gen Z, for instance, on social media. Okay, so Divine is a content creator, and he is going to make sure that whatever he provides them is a solution to that problem that they're having. Otherwise, there's no value. If you don't fix something, there's no reason that they should be hiring you, right? So Divine would then start making really intrapersonal content that like people can connect with, students engage with it, you know, very cinematic video, high quality content that can be posted all over Instagram and other social media platforms to build 
their marketing and their brand but that's how it works if he didn't if he didn't know that though then he wouldn't be able to move forward with that they'd just be like here's some money fix my brand and it's like well what's the problem yeah it's also really important i feel like in when you're in creative jobs to be extremely clear about what it is that you do yeah because i feel like um, especially for people who have only uh, like, you know, people like small business owners who are just looking at this thing that they have is one big problem and then they hire you and they expect you to just be able to fix everything. I feel like there's a separation too when you're working with a client that's very based off of like online communication and it's like you're just sending them content and they're giving you revisions maybe and it's like back and forth and you're not really like like you could do that and just never leave your bedroom you know what so you know what it is? the most interaction i got with working at working with groovy cuz i was i wasn't i wouldn't say i was a freelancer i would say i was an in-house photographer so i did work for them mm. um it definitely felt like freelance work though um the most communication i got and the most interaction i got was me going into the store to pick up the shoes talking to the manager cuz i used to work there as a reta- uh, retail worker um, but also like communication with the owner of the like store and the guy who also is like right under the owner. Like I guess you could say he's the COO. Um, but talk like talking to them through text or email. Assistant to the owner. Assistant to the owner. Yeah. Um, though that would be the most interaction I've gotten from you know people in that kind of like department working in the product. It was terrible. The pay was great, but you know having to. You know, I, I pick up shoes, go back to my place, set it up in my like home little home studio thing and take pictures, take videos, edit. And I'm I have my AirPods in the entire time and I'll be working for like I'll be working for like four hours straight just doing that with like mm. from start to finish, set up to tear down, um, production to post. I'm alone with my AirPods in. Maybe my roommates are coming in to talk oh, to me. Oh man, I know your st- ears are sweaty. I, they're actually not. You, they weren't sweaty after having They look your a little sweaty right now. No, you want to lick the sweat off of them? No, You're telling me <laughs> that the inside of your ear was not like burning up after having your AirPods in there for four hours. No. Yes. Mine usually start to burn up after hearing you talk for 20 minutes. Vince, so. That's how everyone, and I mean everyone, feels about you. So oh, I know. Let's, let's slow down there. You got too much dip in your chip, buddy. <laughs> what does that mean? That sounds so insulting, but I don't know what it means. There are some red flag words to look out for. Self-starter. Self-starter, yeah. If someone is looking for a self-starter, that means that they have a really poor management style, respectfully. If they are if they don't want to micromanage, if they're saying they don't want to micromanage you, sorry. they Same thing, they're not really That organized. means they don't know what they want, okay? If you're looking for someone... If, if someone says they're looking for someone who's going to go the extra mile, <laughs> that means that they're going to expect you to get out of bed at 11 p.m. and edit something because that's when or they're seven, that was Or groovy. do seven revisions. That was groovy. You know? Actually. And so it's, it's, it's also okay to not take every paid opportunity that you get because guess what? There's respect gonna be more. yourself. There's going to be more yourself. too, guys. There's like, going to be coming. more. Not every opportunity needs to be paid, guys. It's is because of trust me. I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Anyways, that'll be it for today's episode. You guys take care of yourself. Rising star family. We will see you guys next time. Or maybe we actually will have a guest. Yeah, we hope we will have a guest. You know, we're in just as much uncertainty as the rest of you when one of these episodes comes out. Which is exactly like the freelancing world. But anyways, you guys take care. We hope you guys <laughs> learned something from this episode. 
of Rise of Stars, and we will see you guys next time. See, this is the part where I fade out. Um, I'm fading out currently in the edit. Yeah. I'm currently turning down the volume in the edits.